with our confession this morning. Can we do that? Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus will I bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. And my mouth shall praise you with what kind of lips? Joyful lips.
This song is yours alone, Lord.
Father, this morning, in the name of Jesus, we come before your throne of grace, worshiping you, Lord Jesus. We give you all the glory and all the honor that you deserve, and we welcome you, Holy Spirit, this day. We're expecting to hear what the Father has to say. And so, we thank you, Lord. Our hearts are good ground, ready to receive the word of the Lord. And all God's people shouted, Jesus. Jesus! Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord. Right now, what we're going to do, we'll have the ushers wait upon you. We're going to receive Harvest Church's tithes and offerings. And then at the end of this service, this morning and tonight, we have the opportunity to sow into a great ministry. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I said we have an opportunity to sow seed into a good ministry. Amen. Praise God. If you need an envelope for your giving, raise your hand. We're glad that you're here today. Amen. Make tonight a priority because the Spirit of God wants to say some things to us. He wants to teach us some things we don't see. So be here. Amen. Remember, there's no teaching service Monday night. Remember that. We'll pick that up next month. Remember this week, coming week, starting Thursday evening in Omaha. It's in Council Bluffs. What's the name of the arena? Okay. And there's a lot being promoted on Facebook and these ministries that will be here. Mario Morello and Kent Christmas. Lance Wall now, is he there? I don't know if Lance... And, of course, Prophet Hank and Brenda. So we plan on being there Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So if you can make it, make it a priority. You can do it for sports for your kids. Why don't you do it for Jesus? Amen. Nothing wrong with sports. But right now we're in a season we need to press in. Amen. Praise God. Well, When we have a guest speaker at Harvest Church, we don't have long worship because we want to honor the gift and give them an opportunity to to minister the Word of God. So what I'd like you to do just in honor of, of Apostle Mike, stand your feet. Father, we thank you for the gift that you've sent today, and we purpose and expect to receive all that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Well, how many love Jesus? Let's try that again. How many really love Jesus? Amen. Amen. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power and presence of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for freedom in America to gather together like this anytime we wish with no fear of persecution or arrest or imprisonment, as it is for so many of our brothers and sisters around the world. So we thank you for this today. We don't take it for granted. We approach your word this morning with reverence and respect, and we thank you that the word, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, will pierce to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thought and intent of our hearts. So we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. 
Everything we do, Lord, we do for your praise and for your glory this morning and also for this evening in Jesus' name. Everybody that agrees with that said together, amen. Amen. All right, everybody, back up and park. And we'll get into the things that I have in my heart to share with you today as well as tonight. For those of you that don't know who we are, because I know that there are many new members of the church since I've been with you uh, last year, we've been in relationship with your pastors for more than 30 years. So we know each other, and it's been a joy for me to come and participate in the growth of the church through the different seasons that all churches go through. We have a ministry based in the Philippines, uh, and, uh, you know, there are information cards. I'll just get ahead of myself a little bit. If you want to know more about us, these things are in the back. You can pick one of these up, go on the website, check it all out, rather than take time to do all of that here. Just grab one of these, and there's information that you can use to find out who we are and what we do. But we work in a country which deals with communist rebels, Muslim insurgents, voodoo, witchcraft, demon-possessed people, who all come to your meetings, sometimes at the same time. And so we've learned some things about how to stand strong through the thick and the thin. We don't preach what we've read in somebody's book. We preach what we've lived. And we've had bullets fly by. We've had Muslim imams jump up on the stage and try to stab me in the middle of my message. This is the place where we work. Okay? So um, the things I'm going to share with you this morning as well as tonight are things that I have uh, seen and experienced myself. These are not just things I've gleaned from somebody's conference somewhere or from some book I've read or some CD I've listened to, although all of that is good and necessary whenever. But, um, you know, I'm preaching what I preach because I know it works, and if it works for me, it'll work for you. You understand that? Praise the Lord. We have a church network of over 275 churches. When I left for the Philippines in September of 1980, we left with 20 bucks in my pocket and a one-way ticket and no way back to the U.S. That was September of 1980. So this month, September of 21, 2021, 41 years, okay? So we've gone from zero to 275, pushing now 300 churches in the Philippines. We've had crusades from then until now where we've been able to lead more than 750,000 people to Jesus in the Crusades that you and this church have helped us to uh, participate and conduct. So praise God. You're, you're reaching out to places that you may never go to physically, but you are there in spirit when you help us do what we do for the Lord. Now, I just got this today. This is a memo from my, one of my staff members in the Philippines sent this to me last night, so I got up this morning and there it was. This is from our president, President Duterte in the Philippines. Just wanted to read this to you. It's not long. Uh, I, therefore, Rodrigo Duterte, president of the Philippines, by virtue of the powers vested in me by the Constitution and existing laws, do hereby further extend the declared state of calamity throughout the Philippines for a period of one more year, effective 13 September 2021 to 12 September 2022, unless earlier lifted or extended as circumstances may warrant. Then he goes on to talk about all law enforcement agencies with the support from the armed forces of the Philippines are hereby directed 
to continue undertaking all necessary measures to ensure peace and in order to uh, help in the affected areas as may necessary to curtail and minimize and or eliminate the threat of COVID-19. So we're under lockdown for another year, according to what this man says. We ignore this in the name of Jesus. We operate according to a higher authority, not these people. We operate according to the authority given to us by the Word of God. I spoke with some of my pastors yesterday afternoon via Zoom. They are not closing their churches. They are going to defy these orders. We are going to do what we need to do to continue to obey the Great Commission. And if we go to jail, we'll preach from jail. This is where we're at. This is where we have come. We didn't ask for this, but this is what's been thrust upon us. Okay? There are ungodly people who hate God, hate Jesus, hate you, hate churches like this, and they are coming after you. They don't hide it anymore. So the body of Christ has to wake up and recognize the threat and respond accordingly. It just does me good to go into a church with organized security. You understand what's going on here? This is the first time I've seen it here, but it's such a wonderful and a welcome thing to see because of the day in which we live, all right? When I stand in the pulpit in most churches, I stand with a firearm on my side, okay? Most of the time it's concealed, you know, but I don't want to freak out the newcomers. But at the same time, this is the world in which we live. It is the world in which we live, and it's not going to go away, okay? It's not going to go away until Jesus comes, then it will. But until he comes, this stuff is only going to get worse, and so we need to understand who we are. We need to prioritize our lives like never before. We're way past the days of the increased seminars where we can all talk about the cars we drive and the suits we wear. No longer suits anymore, but I mean, you know, whatever. Okay? We're way past all of that. We're not into this anymore. We are frontline fighters. We are in a place where God is needing us to be who the Bible says we already are. Okay? Now, having said these things, go with me to Ezekiel 33. This is not going to be a shouting hallelujah, running around the church, twirling from the propellers, having a Jericho march around the parking lot message. There's a time for those things. Okay? There's a time for those things. But this is not the time for those things, okay? God needs all hands on deck, okay? There are apostles and prophets, and they have been instructed by the Holy Spirit to step up and and call to arms the body of Christ, of which you are now a part, okay? You can't hide behind your Bibles anymore. People are coming after you. They don't care, you know. We're hoping they just leave us alone. They're not going to just leave us alone. They want to shut us down, close our mouths, censor us, jail us or whatever they want to do or whatever they can do and we need to resist and push back in the name of jesus okay we we have no choice unless you want to you know be censored for the rest of your life and that's anti-word of god that's that's contrary to the to the scriptures which tell us to go into all the world and preach the gospel okay those commands have never changed administrations change People change, governments change. The Word of God never changes. So that's where we are. That's what we align ourselves with. And in Ezekiel chapter 33, now, um, you can also just mark in your notes, if you're taking notes, 
that uh, the same context here is found in Ezekiel chapter 3. We're not going to go to chapter 3. We're going to go to chapter 33. Okay? And we're going to read excerpts from the chapter, not the whole chapter, but parts of it. We'll start with verse 1, and we'll look at some things there. All right? Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people. Okay, this is a message for the people of God. And say to them, When I bring the sword upon a land, and the people of the land take a man from their territory, and make him their watchman, when he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning... If the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. Verse 5. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But he who takes warning will save his life. Verse 6. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. Pay attention to that. So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. Now, in this particular context, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. But we're not now in Jewish time. We're in Grace time, we're in the age of grace. So you could say it this way, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the body of Christ. That's us. Okay, we're not the house of Israel, we're the body of Christ. We've moved to a better covenant. How many understand we have a better covenant based upon better promises because of the death and resurrection of Jesus? Now, he did away with the old covenant and replaced it with the new covenant. That's what we're working under now, the new covenant. All right, but it's a covenant. Okay, so... Hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. Okay? Jump down to verse 30. Same chapter. Okay? Same chapter, chapter 33, verse 30. As for you, son of man, the children of your people are talking. See, now he's been told to warn the people. That's the verses we just read in the earlier verses from that chapter. He's been told... He's a watchman. You are required to warn my people that there is danger and you must prepare and protect yourself. That's the job of the watchman. And if they they do that and the people don't listen, then the blood of the people is on their own heads. But if the watchman does not do what he's supposed to do and they get taken away, the people get victimized, then their blood is on the watchman's hands. And he just said, I've made you a watchman. Okay? So what happens when we give warning? Look at verse 30. As for you, son of man, the children of your people are talking about you beside the walls and in the doors of the houses, and they speak to one another, everyone saying to his brother, please come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. So they come to you as people do. They sit before you as my people. And they hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. Indeed, you are to them as a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument 
for they hear your words, but they do not do them. Verse 33, and when this comes to pass, surely it will come. Surely it will come. Honey, you're watching this come to pass right in front of your eyes each and every day now. It has come. Then you will know that a prophet has been among them. Okay? There's a prophetic conference coming up just down the road in Omaha. A bunch of prophets are all gathering together. Pay attention to what they're telling us. Okay? They're hearing from God. The apostles and the prophets are set in the church to lay foundations and protect the foundation and the platform for the storms that come against the body of Christ. Jesus said, if you build your house upon the sand, when the storms come, the storms will blow the house away. But if you build your house upon the solid rock of the word, the storms come and they go, but the house stands because it's built on a solid foundation. Okay? We must protect the foundation. Okay? But this passage right here from verse 30 to verse 33 describes 95% of all people in churches today claiming to be born again and in our circles even spirit-filled right there. They hear the word. They talk about how wonderful the message was. Man, wasn't that praise and worship good? Man, I just enjoyed that message. It just rang my bell. But they don't really step up and get in the game. They just keep coming to church, but they don't get involved with what's going on around us, okay? We had a meeting uh, in our church in Tucson last Wednesday. It was a patriotic, we called it a patriotic meeting. They had some guest speakers come in. It was not a spiritual meeting, and it was not a political ra- rally. It, it, was a, it was something to just remind Americans that if Americans don't do something, we're going to lose our country. You understand what's going on around us? If real Americans don't do something, our country is lost. Well, that's another message. We'll get into that tonight. There's spiritual things we can do to stop this. But the point is, one of the speakers, the keynote speaker was a former Navy SEAL. He, you know, I mean, the guy's resume is a mile and a half long. You know, he was a SEAL for 10 years, was on deployment in all the hot spots of the world, you know, um, went on covert missions. He was an air marshal for a number of years, flying the jets, you know, after 9-11, with, uh, you know, armed as an air marshal going transatlantic routes, you know, back and forth to the Middle East, flying the planes. He was an air marshal. So the guy, you know, he was an FBI counter-terrorist specialist. I mean, the guy had a resume. He said, one of the things that, that we need to understand is there is this element of subversion, people undermining the truth, undermining the foundation of our country. And he said, it's been going on for 80 years, which I've been preaching this for a long time myself. So he was resonating things that I was already, you know, sharing wherever the Lord told me to share. For the last 80, 90 years, people have been subverting the foundations of our country. Now, let me tell you why all of this is happening. It's not just to destroy America. It's really to destroy the church. The church is responsible for sending 95% of missionaries and missions funds around the world to save souls. This pandemic from Satan, otherwise known as COVID-19, is an attack against the church. It's an attack against us and our ability to travel and obey the Great Commission. I just read you what that guy, that president in the Philippines said, he's shutting down our country for one more year because of this virus. Okay? 
What does that do? That prevents us from doing what we're commanded to do in the Word of God. If you understand what's going on from a spiritual perspective, this whole thing becomes very clear to you. It's not about politics. It's not about nationalities. It's not about any of this. It's about shutting down the body of Christ and keeping us from fulfilling the commandment to go into all the world and preach the gospel. My wife and I have been unable to go back to the Philippines because of all the lockdowns. In our home city where Pastor Mike has been there years ago, but he was there years ago on one of our tours, we have, they have public laws in place that you have to wear not just a mask, but a face shield and a mask, both. And if you're caught out in public without these things on, I've had, I've had some of my students arrested because the mask was below their nose. The police pulled them aside. This is what's going on, Okay. You can't go out. You can't do this. You can't do that. Now they're telling us we can't have church services. And our people said, oh, I see. You can go to the market and ram, jam, and cram yourself in there to buy fish. But you can't go to church? How many remember the first thing that they shut down last year was the churches? One of the first things they did. You can't go to church. You can't worship God. All of this is by design. Okay? Now, someone might say, well, this is all Old Testament. Well, go with me to Colossians which is not Old Testament. All right, Colossians chapter 1, verse number 28. Okay, let's begin with verse 27. Colossians 1, 27, okay? To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Notice, God willed to make known what the riches of this glory is among the Gentiles. God still wills to make known the truth of the gospel, but we're being prevented from doing it by all these draconian rules or regulations and the powers that presently be in Washington. These people are doubling down on their efforts to shut us down every which way they can. So what are we supposed to do? Look at verse 28. Him, and the him is Jesus, him we preach, warning every man. Notice the word warning, warning every man, and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. See, we're supposed to be doing this by the power of the Holy Spirit, not in our own strength. How many of you understand we are what we are by the grace of God? Do you understand that? Okay, you can go to Bible school. You can have all kinds of initials after your name. That means nothing as far as God is concerned. You just got to flow in the grace and the power of God to get things done. And that's what he says. We're laboring according to his working, not according to our working. Listen, the time has come for the body of Christ to step up and allow the grace of God and the miracle power of God to set the tone for the things we're going to be doing. If you go back and read the book of Acts, these people were miraculously delivered time and time again because they had a job to fulfill and God will do whatever is necessary to make sure that the job gets done. That's the preaching of the gospel. Now, how people respond, that's between them and God. But we have a responsibility to go do what we're told to do. Three things, preach, warn, and teach. 
every church, there should be preaching, teaching, and warning. Now, that's the one that you don't hear much about. There's preachers, there's teachers, but there aren't too many people warning and sounding the alarm. Okay? Look at Isaiah chapter 62. Let's go back to the Old Testament book of Isaiah chapter 62, a verse that I am standing on more and more, and I'm going to encourage you to do the same. Isaiah chapter 62, verse number 6. Isaiah 62 and verse 6. Okay? Here's what it says. I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord do not keep silent. You've got a bunch of Christians silent out there. You know what one politician called years ago the silent majority. Okay? You've got a bunch of Christians that are not saying anything. They're not doing anything. They're just there. Okay? They go to church. They blend in. Brother, blend in. You know, Pastor Popular. You know, Sister Satellite. All these people that just go out of their way not to offend anybody. You know, not to ruffle the feathers of anybody. Okay? We, we're, we're, beyond, we're, we're way beyond this now, my friends. Okay? And it's incumbent upon true churches, true churches following the Holy Spirit, really a church that really follows the Holy Ghost, to get in the game and make a difference with the people and the pastor and leadership of the churches. Thank God that I have a relationship with your pastors because these people understand this. And by the grace of God, they're going to convey to you week after week the importance of getting in the game as watchmen on the walls. We are watchmen on the walls of the world, not just Jerusalem. We're watchmen on the walls of the world. And we should never hold our peace day or night. And if we make mention of the Lord, we should never keep silent. Well, I might lose my job. Well, then lose it. God will give you a better job. What do you think? God can't give you a better job if you just stand for Him and righteousness and and refuse to compromise? Of course He can. I've told my staff, if I have to go to jail, I'm going to jail. But I better see you in the jail cell next to me. Because if I don't, you're fired. And I'll find someone else to take your place. Because we are not going to be hiding behind our Bibles in these last days. Esther 4.14 says we were born for such a time as this. This is not the time to hide and hope the devil leaves us alone. This is the time to get right up in his face and slap him around a little bit in the name of Jesus. Everybody needs a spiritual slap-a-meter. You know, it's all in the wrist. You just got to practice, okay? Slap him around a little bit. It's therapeutic. Makes you feel better about yourself, okay? Makes the devil uh, a little bit uh, hesitant to come against you because he knows he's going to get slapped around a little bit if he does. Or your children, or your marriage, or your ministry, or your business. Don't allow him to have any access into your life, okay? Anybody who comes through those doors needs to sense the power and presence of God in this place. And if they don't, then we're not doing all that we need to be doing in these last days because God wants to show himself strong. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9 says, God searches back and forth, to and fro, throughout the whole world, looking for people to show himself strong to. He's searching for a particular kind of Christian, not just a Christian, a particular kind of Christian, okay? The ones he can show himself strong to, the ones who can handle the heat without faltering, failing, offensive, getting hurt, never coming to church again because my track was torn up at the mall, 
or whatever the case may be. Okay? Praise the Lord. Now, having said all of that, go with me now to Acts chapter 16. We're going to talk about priorities this morning and tonight as well. We're going to talk about eight things we must do, eight things we must know, or eight things we must tell others in the last days. The key word here is the word must, M-U-S-T. We're not talking about things we should do, things we might do, things we'll get around to sometime when it's all convenient for us. These are things we must know, things we must do, and things we must tell other people. No wiggle room here. No exceptions. No excuses. Must do. Must know. Must tell others. And each of these is a message unto themselves, but we're not going to do that because I want to cover all the points so that you understand some things, and then you can study this for yourself and to flesh it out. And the Holy Spirit's got all kinds of verses to support all the points that we don't have time to get to in just one service here today. All right? Acts chapter number 16. This is where we'll start. Acts 16, verse number 29, I think. Let me see here. Acts 16 and verse number uh, yeah, 28. Okay, Acts 16, 28. Now, I won't read the whole chapter with you. This is where Paul and Silas were beaten within an inch of their life just for preaching the gospel. Their backs were whipped wide open. Their clothes were torn to shreds. They were thrown into a jail cell, into the inner cell, into the innermost prison, the Bible says. You've got to understand, this is not your local correction facility. Okay? The things we're, we're thinking of when we think of prison. Man, back then when these people were thrown into jail, this was a dark cavern cave, pitch black, no light, probably a half an inch of standing water, mosquitoes, lizards, snakes, worms, you name it, in there, and their feet were fast in the stocks. They were held in place in the stocks, and the Bible says at midnight, with their backs bleeding wide open, suffering as you could imagine, they were singing praise to God at the top of their voice. Now that's a message that'll preach. When they did this, God shook the jail. Just the jail, not the city, just the jail. God can do whatever God needs to do. Just the jail shook it, and all the prison doors swung open. Every jail cell in the prison, the jail cell doors swung open, and all the prisoners could just walk out if they wanted to, but they didn't. They were so enamored by listening to the praise and worship, they didn't go anywhere. They, they, they stayed. Okay, Praise and worship sets ambushments against the enemy. Okay? You've got to understand the power of praise. You have to understand that in the last days, we are praising our way through victory, to victory and through victory, okay? So the jailer wakes up in the middle of the night and sees the jail cells open and assumes that all the prisoners have fled. He assumes they're all gone because it's, you know, it's dark. And he, he pulls out his sword. He's going to throw himself on his sword and kill himself to save himself the, uh, the public embarrassment of being executed the following day in the public square because of what has happened here. He's about to kill himself. Paul cries out and says in the 28th verse, Paul cries with a loud voice, do yourself no harm. We are all here. The prisoners never left. Okay? Praise is a magnet that pulls people in. 
Then he called for a light. This is the jailer. He ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, here it is, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Notice the word must. We start with this because this is where everything starts, salvation. If you're not saved, honey, you're on your way to hell. You can go to church all you want, say all the prayers you want, pray the rosary every day depending upon your religious background. I was Catholic before I got saved. I know all about it, okay? Had the stations of the cross, the rosary, the, the, the indulgences. I had it all, honey. You know, I went to, you know, Our Lady of Perpetual Deception for eight years, grade school, and then our St. Ignorance High School for four years. I knew all about it, but I didn't know Jesus. Wasn't born again. Knew all about him, but if I died, I would have gone straight to hell. The point is, okay, here's the question. What must a person do to be saved? This is what we have to tell other people. Okay, what do you have to do? What must you do to be saved? And the answer comes back in verse 31. They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your house. That's it. There's nothing else you need to do. Okay, you don't need to go to church, although you should. You don't need to do a lot of bunch of works. You don't need to bake a thousand Girl Scout cookies and pass them out at the street corners. None of this stuff. Just believe on the work of Jesus and you will be saved. It's so simple, people can't handle the simplicity of it because he paid for every sin you and I could ever commit. Paid for it with his blood on the cross. All the sins were taken away and washed away by the blood of Jesus except one. And that is the sin of rejecting Jesus. All the other sins are covered except the one sin. God left this one for you and I to handle and choose for ourselves. God already sent Jesus, whether you liked it or not, he sent Jesus to the cross. And the Bible says, you know, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Whether we liked it or not, Jesus was sent to pay for our sins. Okay, except one. And that is the sin of rejecting Jesus. So that's what we tell people. You want to go to heaven? Accept Jesus. Period. Well, I don't believe that. Well, then go to hell. Because that's where you're going to go. It's simple. It's not hard to understand. Well, people might not like me. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll hate you. Maybe they'll burn your house down. But it never changes the truth. And someday you're going to stand before Jesus and you'll answer him for the life you've lived. And he'll ask you, I made you a watchman. What did you do for me to sound the alarm in these tumultuous last days? You were born for such a time as the life in which you lived and you did nothing. I don't want, I don't want to have to go through that when I stand before the Lord on my judgment day. Okay? And when you stand before the Lord, I don't want you to have to experience that either. Okay? What are you doing for the Lord in these last days? Not just, you know, while I go to church on Sunday. Great. What are you doing after all of that? Amen. How much are you getting involved? What are you doing? Okay? You know, Pastor mentioned, you know, prayer on Monday nights. You know, can you come? This is just, these are just simple things people can do to join spiritual forces to align themselves with the work of God in the last days, all kinds of wonderful things we can do, okay? What must I do to be saved? Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other avenue. There is no other way to heaven. That's it. 
Jesus Christ paid for our sins and no one else could pay. Why is Jesus the only way? Because he was the only one that had sinless blood moron. He was the only one that was born of a virgin. He was the only one that sits at the right hand of God. He's the only one that is the surety of a better covenant based upon better promises. Not the Pope, not Mohammed, not Buddha, not all these other New Age people with all their charms and beads and rosaries and prisms and all of this. No, Jesus is the way. The way. Take it or leave it. He paid He's qualified to sit at God's right hand. Nobody else is. He's coming back. Nobody else is coming back. And he's going to sit on the throne of his, you know, Father David and all of this, and nobody else, and that's it. Take it or leave it. What must I do to be saved? Receive Jesus. That's it. Amen. If you're here today as a visitor, perhaps, and you're not sure, all you got to do is open up your heart, receive Jesus Christ, and you're in. Amen. What must I do to be saved? Sinners must believe and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's where everything begins. Number two, look at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 6. It says, The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Notice the word must. That will be the common word in all the verses that we look at, all the points that we make. This is the word must. The hardworking farmer must be first partaker of the crops. Okay? Must. So before the farmer takes his harvest to the market to sell, which is how farmers make their living, he has to partake of his own crops. He has to partake of his own harvest first. So what is this? This is the second point. We must spiritually replenish ourselves. You have to build yourself up and keep yourself built up. This is not the job of Pastor Mike, Pastor Kathy, or anyone else out there. You know, Apostle Mike, Prophet Hank, anybody's out there. No siree, Bob. This is a responsibility for every Christian in their own personal prayer closet and in their own personal walk with God. You have to keep your gas tank full. Yep, you do. You can't, you can't trust anyone else to do this. We're here. We're brought alongside to help, to encourage, to assist, to comfort, to whatever. That's what we do for you. But for me, I have to rely upon my decisions to spiritually replenish myself. I can't rely upon you or anyone else to do that for me. Okay? We're called hardworking farmers. See, when you are the hardworking farmer, you are expending spirit, you're expending physical energy. You know, remember, back in the days when these verses were written, they didn't have combines and all the mechanical tools and, and machinery that we have today to do the farming that we do. They just went out there with the hoe and the rake and the shovel and just dug and dug and hoed and all that. Hardworking. Hard-working farmers expend a lot of physical energy, so they have to first partake of the crops, or sooner or later they're going to fall into a ditch. Because as you're expending spiritual energy, you have to replenish the energy that you're expending. Okay, Spiritually speaking, when you're standing in faith, when you're walking by faith and not by sight, when you're resisting the devil so he flees from you, when you're standing in faith for your healing, when you're doing whatever you have to do to do what you ever have to do, you are expending spiritual energy that you have to replenish. It's like 
the gas tank in your car, honey, when you fill that thing up, you can drive for the range of that vehicle, 350 miles or whatever, but you're going to have to go somewhere sooner or later and stop and refill. Okay, you've got a bunch of Christians cruising on last year's revelation, cruising on something God did in 1984, cruising on something that they read in a book in 1991. Listen, that's not going to cut it in these last days. It's not going to cut it. You've got to spend time every day with the Lord. And if you're not doing that, you are a candidate for failure. The devil will eat your lunch. Sooner or later, something's going to come down the road and blow you right off the map, and then you'll get mad at God. I've seen it happen over and over and over again. Empty chairs where people used to sit all on fire for Jesus, and then something happened, some unexpected tragedy, somebody died in their family, car crash or whatever, and they all got mad at God. Well, if God loved me, why would this happen? I'll tell you why it happened, because there's a devil out there that hates your guts. And God told us what to do to stay strong. And if you're not doing it, don't blame him. Look at Joshua chapter 1. Every, all of these points have multiple verses, but just for the sake of time, we'll just cover maybe one or two verses for each point. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Joshua 1, 8. This, this was Old Testament, but this applies because this is, you know, just as much applicable for us as it was for those people way back then. This book of the law, which is the Bible for us, shall not depart from your what? Mouth. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate in it. How often? How often? Say it again. Mm -hmm. It didn't say every Sunday morning. It didn't say once in a while. It didn't say, you know, when I feel inspired. It said day and night. That you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then. Everyone say then. Okay, so this is conditional. Then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. These are the instructions. Follow the prescription. This is very simple counseling. Do what you're told to do. When I counsel with my pastors and they come in, you know, bemoaning their lot in life, how difficult it is. I'm trying to pastor church, but there are witch doctors and they're putting curses on my family. I'm trying to pastor a church, but the Muslims are coming in and they're threatening to burn down the church. And, and, what, and, I'm, and, and, blah, 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 and I'll say, stop. Okay. Who ever told you, pastor, that this is going to be easy? Whoever told you that just because you want to build a church for Jesus, the devil's just going to step aside and let you go do whatever you want to do? No, sir, you're going to get shot at, you're going to bleed, you'll get wounded, but we will stand with you, we'll help patch you up, we'll get you back on the front lines, keep moving forward. And if that's too difficult for you, then you just need to lay down and die, and then we'll move on without you. We won't have to carry you on our back any longer, okay? Christians must spiritually replenish themselves. Living by faith expends spiritual energy that must be replenished. So if you're not spending time in the Word day and night, then you're not following God's directions and you are a candidate for failure. And I guarantee the devil will take you up on your offer. Okay? Listen, don't think it can't happen to you because I've seen it. I've seen it so many times. I, I need a calculator to come up with the number. But people who just start on the front row, 
go to the fourth row, seventh row, back row, and out the door over the course of 5, 10, 15 years. Right back in the bar, right back in front of the computer watching their pornography, right back doing, taking the drugs, smoking their dope, whatever. Listen, in these last days, you cannot afford to allow the devil any access into your life. Okay? You can't. You just can't. Okay? All right, that's number two. Moving on for time. Back up three verses. I'm sorry, we need to go back to 2 Timothy and then back up in chapter 2 and then back up three verses. Excuse me. 2 Timothy chapter 2, we looked at verse 6. Now look with me at verse 3. 2 Timothy 2, 3. Uh, this one separates the men from the boys. You, therefore, and he's talking to Timothy, you must, everyone say must, must endure what? Hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Don't whine. Don't complain. Don't moan about how difficult things are. First of all, in this country, there's nothing that we go through that is even close to what other brothers and sisters go through in other parts of the world. On your worst day, you're living in candy land compared to what many Christians are going through in all other parts of the world. And they didn't ask to be born there while we selected America. We didn't ask to be born here in a free nation like this while they requested to be born in Egypt or in, you know, Samaria or Afghanistan or Iraq. They didn't ask for that, but they're just as much beloved in God's eyes as we are. And these people, they, they take a stand for faith and their houses are burned down. Their families are torn apart. Their children are ripped from them, you know. The Taliban take them away, you know, and you never see them again. This is what they go through or they get shot and executed just for saying, I believe in Jesus, okay? So when we talk about enduring hardship, we have nothing to talk about concerning hardship compared to in context what other people go through. But that being the case, whatever you're going through, hey, suck it up. My counseling sessions are usually about two minutes. There's not a lot of time wasting circling the wagons here. Suck it up. Get your helmet back on your head. Pick up your weapons and re-engage the enemy. You're not going through anything you can't handle because the Bible says God will not allow us to be tempted above our ability to successfully resist. Amen. Amen. There's nothing you'll ever face that you can't handle. There's no level of persecution that you can't handle. There's no level of sickness or disease you can't rebuke and get drive out of your body. It's not possible because God will make sure that whatever the devil brings against us is only something we can successfully resist. Amen. Praise the Lord. Christian soldiers must know how to endure hardship without faltering, wavering, getting angry at God and all the other things that happen that shouldn't happen. Okay? Jesus said, if you follow me, you have to take up your cross. That's a message you don't hear anymore. Take up the cross and follow Jesus. Well, we need to have more of these messages. Amen. Aren't you glad you came to church today? I told you, this is not a shout and hallelujah message. But this is the stuff that will get you to the finish line. You, maybe you'll be bleeding along the way, but you'll get it to the finish line. You get your life out there, be a witness for Jesus and someone that God will be proud to stand and work with alongside of you. We must endure hardship, number three. Number four, one chapter over to the right. Second Timothy chapter 3. Verse 12, 
2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. How many desire to live godly in Christ Jesus? Okay, so don't be surprised when the persecution comes along. He said all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you, look at verse 14, you, what's the next word? Hmm? Must continue in the things which you've learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them. Continue in what you've learned. When you go to church in a church like this, Whatever you learn, put it into practice. Be a doer of the word and not just a listener only, according to what James says. Don't just be someone who, like Ezekiel says, wow, what a wonderful message. Wow, I love the church. I love the decor. I love the praise and worship. It's just a wonderful place to come and worship the Lord on Sundays. But then they just disappear from Monday until Saturday. You don't know who they are. You don't know what they stand for. You don't know where they're going. They're not watchmen on the walls. Okay? They're hiding under the wall, hoping no one sees them. We're way past that, okay? We must continue to do what we've been taught to do. If you've been taught to walk by faith, walk by faith. Amen. If you've been taught to confess the word, confess the word, okay? If you've been taught to resist the devil, resist the devil. Do what you've been taught to do. Accordingly here, what you've learned and been assured of. Like I said to you at the beginning of my message, I'm not preaching this because I'm looking for a message to preach. I know what I'm talking about because I've lived this. Okay? I've dug bullets out of the walls of my house, drive-by, shootings and all that, all that stuff. Okay? I understand what I'm talking about. We have been shot at and threatened and all of this, but hey, we're still here. And we're going to finish this race on God's terms, not the devil's terms. Okay? Let us walk according. Don't fall away. Continue in what you've learned and been assured of. Look at this. Knowing from whom you learned them. Okay? Listen, you need to respect your pastors. Okay? He's not just a good old boy. He's not just someone you'd call, hey, Mike, what's happening? This man has been called by God to shepherd your soul. And you need to pay attention to that and respect him and his wife because of the massive levels of responsibility they must answer for when they stand before God. I've been around long enough to see churches like this fold up and disappear and blow away. But these, this couple has been consistently consistent for all these many years in a town like Norfolk. This is not a big metropolis with tens of thousands of people coming and going. But yet they've been faithful to stand their ground, faithful to preach the uncompromising word as people have come and gone in this place. Because I know because I've been here year after year and I've seen them come and go. Okay? Doesn't mean you can't be friendly. Doesn't mean you can't love the fellowship. But respect these people because they will answer, according to Hebrews, they will give an account for your soul when they stand before the Lord. So love them. Pray for them. You may not agree with everything they have to do or the way they run their church, but they're the ones responsible, not you. Amen? There's one rule in our ministry, and that is there is no room for end-arounds. There's no room for backbiting. There's no room for criticism. There can be room for constructive discussion, 
I'm not a perfect person. I'll tell my staff, I'm not a perfect person. I, can, I, I welcome your opinion. I welcome your advice. I welcome your angle, your, your perspective, because maybe you see something that I don't see, and I welcome that. Or maybe I'm doing something that I could be doing better, and I appreciate the constructive commentary. Yeah, absolutely. But don't go behind my back, because if I find out that you're doing this, you are gone. You'll be out the door faster than you can pack your luggage. I won't tolerate it. I will not tolerate strife. Strife is the devil's number one weapon to split families, destroy marriages, ruin churches. Strife. Are you listening? Amen. Honor your pastors. I got news. You probably drove past a half a dozen churches to get to this one, and I guarantee and I would bet money that in those churches, those are cemeteries in disguise full of dead men's bones they don't know what this man knows they don't preach what this man preaches they're just a bunch of bodies and chairs and they are unprepared for the crises coming down the road like i said if you think it's bad now hang around should jesus tarry it's going to get a lot worse we need to be around strong people who know who they are and can lead us into a closer walk with the lord someone say amen all right We must continue to do what we've been taught to do and from whom we've learned what we've learned. Praise God. Okay? Amen. Praise the Lord. That's number four. Number five. Acts 27. Acts 27, verse number 23. Again, we don't we won't read the whole chapter it would take far too long but this is the chapter where paul is on the boat on his journey to rome he's been charged with the crime of rebellion against the emperor sedition against caesar so because he recognized that his case locally would be bribery ridden he says nobody can nobody can turn me over for for money i appeal to caesar because i'm a roman citizen and so they said okay to caesar you've appealed and to caesar we shall send you so they put him on a boat and sent him out into the Mediterranean Sea to sail from Judea to Italy on their way to Rome. He's going to answer the charge of sedition against Caesar, which, is, which carries the death penalty if he's found guilty, by the way. Okay? So, the devil has been trying to kill Paul all his life. You know, that's another message for another time. That man was killed more often than, you know, a calculator could, could let us know. I mean, you know, the Bible says deaths, D-E-H-E-H-S, often. They killed him many times. But he kept popping back up because he knew his race was not yet finished. But here's another opportunity. He's in a boat. The devil knows where he's going. The devil does not want him to preach the gospel to Caesar. Imagine the devil, you know, nervous as he may have been because, you know, he realizes if Caesar gets saved, my God, the entire Roman Empire opens up to the gospel. Well, he's not going to let that happen if he can do anything about it. So he's going to try and create a storm out in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea and sink that ship. Now the sailors, these are professional sailors. They had seen storms. Okay, it's like pilots. They see storms all the time. They fly around them and so forth. Okay, the sailors had never seen a storm like this. They said, my God, this thing was, this was a hellacious storm. You know, and, and this was something they were, they were standing in faith against this for over two weeks. Okay, has, any of, has anybody ever taken a cruise and you get out in the rough water? You know, it's not fun, is it? You know, the boat's going over like this, people are throwing up, 
You know, people are, you know, I mean, I've, I've been on these ships in the Philippines. This is not the Royal Caribbean cruise line, I might say. But nonetheless, when the waves get big and the waves hit the ship and the thing goes over and it sounds like a bomb goes off when the crest of the wave hits the hull of the ship and, you know, it's dark, it's in the middle of the night, you can't see anything out there, just the wave comes in out of the dark and hits the ship and the whole thing goes over and people are screaming and throwing up and bottles are rolling from one side of the ship to the other and people are fighting over life preservers. I've been on those boats and it is terrifying. But those things only last for a couple hours until you get into some smooth water between the islands and the seas calm down. He, in Acts 27, he was in this storm for over two weeks. No break. The Bible says the sailors, all hope that they would be saved had been given up. They thought they were dead meat. But we'll never see land again. We are, we are toast. In the midst of this, an angel appears to Paul. In the midst of the waves hitting the ship and the wind blowing, you can imagine the wind is howling and the, the sails are hanging on, the ship is going back. And in the midst of all this, a, an angel comes and appears to Paul with a message. And so now in verse 23, Paul is re recounting the message that he heard from the angel to all the passengers on the boat, the soldiers and the sailors and prisoners like Paul. He says in verse 23, There stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You, what's the next word? Must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men. I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told me. Okay, look. The point is this. You must finish your race. Everybody's running a race. You're running yours. I'm running mine. When you got saved, your race started. And it will continue until you leave earth. Okay, now many people have stopped running. Many people have fallen down and quit but they're still supposed to run a race and they will be judged according to how they ran their race. It's called the rest of your life. From the time you get saved until the time you leave earth. That's your race. And the point is, you must finish your race. Okay? You can tell the devil, you can't take me out. I'm not done running. I'm not done with my race. That's what Paul said to the devil over and over. They killed him many times, but he kept popping back up. They wanted to kill Jesus many times, but couldn't do it because he knew his hour had not yet come. Your hour has not yet come unless you're at least 80 years old, okay, because the Bible promises 70 or by reason of strength 80 years. If you're not there yet, you've got time on your hands. You've got things to do for God, okay? So you don't accept anything less than just health. You don't accept anything less than financial prosperity so you can do what you need to do for the Lord, okay? You don't. You don't accept anything less because you know that my race is not yet finished. Okay? God will do what is necessary to protect you until your assignments from Him are finished. Amen. All right. So whatever race you're running, keep running it. And if you don't know what your race is, get in your prayer closet and find out. Not everybody's supposed to be a missionary. Not everybody's supposed to be a full-time minister. But everybody's supposed to be something. Ministry of Helps, prayer warriors. Uh, some people are, are givers. They've got a lot of money, and they're, they have what, you know, a financial gift. Well, they can give a lot of money to support the gift, uh, support the war effort, whatever. Get involved. Get in the game, okay? 
you must finish your race. That's number five. Number six, look at verse 26. Same chapter. We stopped at the end of verse 25. Look at verse 26. Paul finishes this little reminder to the soldiers and sailors. He says, however, we must run aground on a certain island. We must run aground. In other words, you must allow for divine detours in your life. There will be times when you will be called away from your main race to do things you didn't expect to do, places you didn't expect to go, to talk to people you didn't expect to meet because there was a hole on the front line. Someone faltered, someone failed, someone fell away, and now God's moving the troops around to fill the front line hole in the wall. It's called a divine detour. Okay? Let me give you an example. We, when this pandemic, it's really a plandemic, when the pandemic came down the road, we were not on Facebook live stream, my wife and I. We, were, we had a Facebook account, but we didn't do live streaming. Now, because we can't go back to the Philippines, we're doing a lot of it. We're doing Zoom technology, using Zoom to have Bible school classes. We're teaching by Zoom, okay, from Arizona to the Philippines. We have classes on Zoom, and the, we bought and invested in big screen monitors on the walls of the classrooms now. They're watching us by Zoom because we can't go back because of what happened. So what's happened for us, we've gone techno, and so now we're doing live streams. If you want to follow me, okay, uh, we do live streams every Tuesday or Thursday nights, depending upon my travel schedule. The next one is September 16th, 7.30 Arizona time. We do live streams, 30 to 45 minutes of teaching and prayer for the sick and reaching out to the lost via live stream. None of that was in play before COVID came down the road. But because COVID came down the road, we've taken a techno detour here. And now we're reaching people all over the world that we would never get to in a thousand lifetimes. We get answers from people in Ireland, the Middle East, India, Africa, people watching. Okay? So praise the Lord. So what the devil meant for shutting us down, we've turned things around and now we're reaching more people than we've ever been able to reach before. Someone say amen. You have to find your detour, and when you're asked to run the detour, run the detour. Okay? He said, we must run aground on a certain island. Listen, when Paul left Judea for Rome, Malta, which is the name of the island, Malta was not on his GPS list of places to go, but it was on God's. And as a result of being on that island, there was a three-month crusade Thousands of people got saved. Why? Because God knew people on that island were hungry for the gospel. Paul didn't know, but God knew. And there's all kinds of examples of this. Okay? When God tells you to do something, even though you've never done it before, it might be something new to you, do it. Do it. Because somebody out there needs to know what you already know. Okay, that's number six. Number seven, moving on for time. John chapter 3, verse 30. John 3.30. All right. John 3.30. This is a very simple statement from John the Baptist to his disciples. The disciples came to John and said, look, we're running out of people to baptize because this Jesus, this rabbi down the river here, a half a mile, he's got all the people now. They're all being baptized by Jesus. John, what are we going to do? We're going to lose our base of support. And so he says in verse 30, hey, 
Don't worry about it. He, that's Jesus, he must increase, I must decrease. Okay? Let Jesus be great in your life more than ever before. The more you're in this, the longer you serve the Lord, the more you realize we are what we are by the grace of God. Let Jesus run the show. Let Jesus steer the boat. Let Jesus drive the car, however you want to describe it. Let him be Lord in your life. There's a verse in Luke where Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? A bunch of people like that in churches, they call Jesus Lord, and then they go do whatever they want to go do. They never talk to him about it. They never talk to him about making decisions with their money or with their lives or their priorities or their job. Okay, I tell my pastors, did you talk to the Lord about this decision you're in here talking to me about? Did you talk to the Lord first? More, than, more often than not, the answer is no. I, I, well, our meeting is over. You need to go talk to the Lord and let him tell you what he wants you to do. I'm just helping him help you. Okay? Praise the Lord. He must increase. Christians must let the Lord be Lord in their life. Amen. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares upon God because he cares for you. Cast all your cares upon him. Don't worry. What's going to happen? Don't worry about it. Okay, your worry won't change anything, but your faith will. Your confessions will. Being a watchman will change things for you and for the people you watch over. But mumbling, grumbling, worrying about the future, what's going to happen with my money, what's going to happen to the economy, what's going to happen with all the illegals crossing the border. Hey, I live 60 miles from the Mexican border. My house is 60 miles from the Mexican border. And we've got all kinds of people crossing that border, just walking across. I'm not worried about it because I got Jesus and a bunch of guns also. Praise the Lord. Life in Arizona can be fun. All right. Labor to enter into his rest. Labor to enter into his rest. Relax. Let God be great. Okay? That's number seven. Number eight, the last. First John 4. First John chapter 4 and verse number 21. All right. First John 4. And 21, this commandment we have from him, notice it's a commandment, everybody, it's not a request, it's not a suggestion, this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God, how many love God, hands up, if you love the Lord, okay, he who loves God must love his brother also, must, okay, now, okay, everybody understands that let me back up and rephrase. Do you understand that love is not like? He's not commanding us to like everybody else. I don't have to like you. You don't have to like me. It would be nice if you did like me, and I'm sure that you'd appreciate it if I liked you. But yet I don't, I'm not commanded to, and neither are you. But I am commanded to love you. Love is not like. Like is a feeling. Love is a decision to see people as precious and valuable just because they exist because God sees them that way, okay? The people running this government right now are criminals. Amen. And they need to be in jail, okay? And, I, and we're all standing in faith that that which is hidden shall be revealed, okay? That's something you should be praying about along with me and 
millions of others. Okay, that doesn't change the fact that I'm responsible for praying for these people. They still are beloved of God. He still, Jesus still, still died for these people. As much as I don't like them, I am responsible to pray for them. Now, I don't pray for their success in government. I pray for their complete, total failure in government because they're trying to destroy our country on purpose. This is not incompetence. This is a concerted effort to destroy your country, okay, and turn it into a socialist, communist country. They've been doing this. They've been subverting under the radar for 50, 60, 70 years for this, and now we're just seeing it. This coming to the surface, okay? Point being, I don't like them. I don't like to look at them. I don't like to listen to them, but at the same time, I'm commanded to love them the way Jesus loves them, so I pray for their soul. That's how I love them. I love them, and I pray for their soul. I pray that God will lead workers across their path. I pray that they'll turn from their wicked ways before it's too late, before they die lost. Amen? I don't pray for their success as a, as a politician or as a government official. I pray for their failure, okay? Because there's other forces in play here, all right? And then it says, you must love your brother. Inside the churches, we're responsible for loving each other. Turn to your neighbor and say, I love you. And then say, even though I don't like you. Yes, your feelings are hurt. Yeah, I won't. Praise the Lord. This goes out all over the place. Praise the Lord. Christians must love all the brethren. This is a decision. It is not a feeling. Okay, I may not like you, but I'm commanded to love you. I see you as precious and valuable to God. So I work in my relationship with you from that perspective. Okay? Praise the Lord. So if you have brothers and sisters out there that you have something against, ought against them, something that you're harboring in your heart, let it go. Okay, we don't have time to to carry this stuff around on our backs anymore. Let all that stuff go. If they've hurt you, if they've maligned you, if they've taken advantage of you, if they've stolen from you, Forgive them and forget it. Move on. Let God deal with them. Amen? Let God deal with them. And we, as a body of unified believers, we need to come together and fight the good fights of faith to save America for the sake of the Great Commission. And these are things that we've talked about that we must do, that we must know, and that we must tell other people. Amen? And you need to have an attitude. I have, I brought my masks, you know, you got to, in, in places like Nebraska, thankfully, and in Arizona too, you don't have to wear these things everywhere like in some states, but you know, when you fly on airplanes, you have to wear this stuff or you can't fly. So I, I had a little mask, you know, I, okay, I'm a world missionary traveler, so I got this mask. This one is the world, okay, I put this on, there's the world, okay? But as time has gone by, I've changed my mask. This is now my mask. Okay? It's an attitude. Okay? Don't mess with me. Don't mess with what I'm doing. Don't mess with what I have to say. If you don't like it, get out of my way. Because I am preaching the gospel, and I am not going to apologize for doing so. Amen. I tell people, you don't like it, go somewhere else. Go on. Amen. Be warm, be filled, and be gone in the name of Jesus. So, 
Did this help anybody this morning? Some of you. Did this really help? Listen, again, it gets back to what we looked at right from the beginning. There's warning as well as preaching and teaching. It's Ezekiel 33. You know, we're watchmen. We're commanded to warn people. We're commanded to sound the alarm. We're commanded to blow the trumpet. Amen. That's our job. That's our responsibility. Now, how you do this with people is between you and God. One-on-one at work, one-on-one wherever you may be or in church services, that's between you and the Lord. But the point is, you have to do what you have to do, okay, to be the watchman that the God, that the Lord has called us to be, okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the word today. Help us, Lord, to be people that will understand the magnitude of the moment in the name of Jesus. We are watchmen, Lord, each and every one of us. You've set us on the watchtowers of the world. We are on the walls of the world, Lord. Help us to fearlessly represent you, to fearlessly proclaim the gospel without apology, without hesitation. We will stand our ground. We will not uh, compromise. We will not back up. We will not retreat. There will be no surrender here in the name of Jesus. And we trust you, Lord, to do what you've promised to do in the Word. You'll take care of us. You will watch over us. You will empower us. You will anoint us because we have our covenant based upon better promises with you. And Lord, you are our advocate and our intercessor. All right, everybody's heads bowed, eyes closed. Now, if you don't know Jesus, you need to make a decision right here and right now. Okay? You, you, you can't walk out of here unsure of your salvation. Okay? I will not let you walk out of here and share of your salvation. You need to know that you are born again. You need to know you're a child of God. You need to know that if you died before the sun goes down tonight, that you'll go to heaven. The next person you would see is Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm not going to let you just walk out these doors without giving you a chance to turn your life around. Or, if you're already born again, that you need to come back to your first love and quit playing church, quit you know, playing patty cake with the devil and your flesh. Okay, get back to where you used to be. Get back to your first love. Get excited about serving Jesus. Get excited about representing him in these last days. We were born for such a time as this. If you've been drifting, if you've been kind of, you know, I don't want to, you know, get my neighbors upset with me. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to. Well, you need to come back to your first love and say, never mind any of that. I'm going to go where I need to go, do what I need to do, say what I need to say, and let the chips fall where they may. All right. I'm going to count to three. If I'm talking to you on any of those issues or levels of responsibility or relationship that I just mentioned, if it applies to you, you put your hand up when I reach three. No one's looking around. Keep your eyes closed. Keep your heads bowed. Mind your own business. Okay? And you put your hand up, and I'll recognize it, and then we'll all stand together and declare our intent to serve and to uh, recommit to the Lord if that's what's necessary in your life okay at the count of three it's not a feeling it's a choice choose i'm going to get in the game and i'm going to be a player not a spectator anymore okay at the count of three if that's you put your hand up one two three hands up if i'm talking to you one two three thank you god bless you for your honesty four thank you five thank you six thank you 
Thank you, Jesus. God bless you for your honesty. All right, let's all stand. Hands have gone up, at least six, I counted. I don't need to know why you put your hand up. That's between you and God. It's none of my business. But because we are all here together, we will join with you in a declaration of intent. It's not a prayer. We're not asking for something. We're declaring something. I am going to turn my life around. I'm going to serve the Lord, and that's it. Okay? So I'll lead. Everybody follow after me. We're all talking to the Lord. With our heart, we believe, and with our mouth, we confess. Heart, mouth, heart, mouth. We believe down here. We speak out here. Okay? This is how we seal the deal. This is how we exercise our faith. All right? So let's say these things together. You're not talking to me. We're all talking to the Lord. He's listening. Oh, yeah. He is listening. Okay? He's very, very interested in you. He died for you. So let's say this because we mean it out loud. I'll lead you follow. Now, remember, if you can shout at a Nebraska Cornhuskers football game, Okay, fly flags all over the place and whatever. Okay, if you can do all of that, you can certainly raise your voice and declare your eternal destiny and let Jesus know who you really serve and let the devil know, I'm tired of playing patty cake with you. You're out of my life forever. Okay, let's say this together in the name of Jesus. Ready? Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I believe that you are the Christ the Son of God, that you died on a cross, paid for my sins, and rose from the dead. So today, I make my choice, and from now on, and forever, I choose you. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. And I am sorry for all my sins, but right now, I receive my forgiveness, and I'm never looking back. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Amen. Thank you, Father. Now, if you said that and meant that, praise God. Welcome in or welcome back. Let's all lift our hands and thank the Lord for what He's done for us. Father, we thank You this morning. We want to give You praise and glory for the great gift of salvation. We didn't do this. You did this for us, Lord. And the world so desperately needs to know what we know. Lord, help us to help them in your name. Give us the grace. Give us the protection. Give us the power. Give us the provision. Thank you for blessing Harvest Church. Thank you for... for yeah. I've told you before, and I'll tell you again, this church has been set in this place for this season and for this time. You must understand the, the role you are playing on the world stage of evangelism. You must understand this is not just a building in a city somewhere. This is a light, a beacon of hope in a very dark place, a very dark planet in the lives of people that are lost and they don't know which way to turn and they have no hope. But if you, as you rise up and take your place on the front lines of our work together, then these people are going to be led by my Spirit to this place and they need to see my power and they need to hear the Word without apology in this place because this is truly a church of harvest. This is really a place for people to come and receive me and to know me and to have their lives saved 
by my spirit in these last days. So understand again, I've told you these things before by my servants, but I'm telling you again, don't abdicate your responsibilities. Step up to the plate. Be my player, no longer a spectator. And my spirit will flow through you and my power shall be flowing through you in ways that will amaze even you. Because I don't need a bunch of credentials. I don't need a bunch of certificates and diplomas. I need committed workers at every level of education, at every level of accomplishment. I will use you because you make yourself available to me, says the Lord. Amen. Amen. He will use you, he said. He will use you because you make yourself available to him. Make your money available to Him. Make your time available to Him. Make your talents available to Him. Okay? What can you do? What can you give? What can you say? Those things you can give to Him. And make those things available to God. And He will multiply what you have sown in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right. Have a seat for just a minute. A couple things before pastor comes. Um... First of all, tonight, we're going to uh, talk about some things. We're going to look at a couple of verses. We're going to find some templates in the Bible to follow for what we need to be doing in these last days. And we will be praying not only for people to be saved if they need that, but we'll also be ministering for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, and anybody in this building that that used to be serving the Lord as best they could, and then they got filled with the Spirit, they'll tell you it's a game changer. It's a game changer. All right? You will be at a different level for the rest of your life. It's a great gift, and you need to take advantage of all the gifts that God makes available to the church. So we're going to be doing that tonight. So you come on back with an open heart, a hungry heart, and we're going to let God be great. Okay? That's tonight. Now, a couple things I brought. Listen, we have to invest in things. Now, I wrote this book between the last time I was here and now. It's called The Radical Remnant. You can read this in 60 minutes or less. The Radical Remnant. Not, God does not need everybody in the body of Christ to be what they need to be. He wants everybody to be involved, but unfortunately, too many people just choose compromise. But God is looking for the radical remnant, the select few Now remember, Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land. 12 spies, and every one of them were seasoned leaders in their tribe. These are not a bunch of newbies. He handpicked 12 leaders and sent them into the promised land to spy out the land. And they came back with their intelligence report. Two out of 12 gave the good report. Ten out of 12 gave the evil report of unbelief. And they were all leaders. Now today, we're living in the same environment where two out of 12 are available to God, what I call the radical remnant. If you want to be a part of the two, the two out of 12, then you need this book. And you need to buy it for you and you need to buy it for people that you know aren't here and need to be here. Okay? Praise the Lord. I'm telling you, you can put this in your back pocket and carry it around with you. I mean, you know, get it. Get it, get it, get it. Okay? $10, well worth it. And then if you like to listen to things, and I do, and I hope you'll do too, this is new too. This was made just for the times in which we live. Facing your fears, 
attack the attack. You know, whatever you're afraid of today, you need to attack it. It's not going to just go away. You need to go after it. You need to crush it. You need to smack it around. You need to attack it in the name of Jesus. Okay? A lot. Six to seven CDs in here. Hours and hours of teaching how to manage your life and face your fears and get those things under control in your life. There's nothing to be afraid of. Amen? We have them in CD format and a few USBs. If you want it in USB, if you're a techie, you can get it in a USB flash drive and do it that way if you want. The other one, I've brought this before, but not in a long time. This one goes in conjunction with this, this one here. God's haven and the storms of life. Haven in the Greek, in the Hebrew is harbor. Okay? It's God's harbor. He wants to lead you into a safe harbor. Out on the ocean, you get the storms of life. But you can be guided by God over the waves and through the wind and all of this into the safe harbor. I've had people buy this and they tell me they can't stop listening to it, okay? So these are messages that I recommend that you invest in out there because they're worth it, okay? People, after lunch, I mean, sorry, after service, you'll go to lunch, you'll spend, I know, depending on how many people are there, dollars, $30, $35, $40 or more, depending upon the size of your party. You can get stuff here and you can feed in your spirit for decades with this, okay? Take advantage of it. Okay, just go running out the door. The cafeteria isn't going anywhere. They'll wait for you. Okay, take advantage of these things. We brought them for you. And as, again, if you want to know more about us, get one of these and read about it and find out about us and whatever happens after that is between you and God. Did this help anybody today? Amen. All right. We'll do this again tonight. Praise God. Pastor Mike. You must return tonight. I want to uh, receive a a love offering for Apostle Mike and his ministry. So if the ushers would wait on them, um, if you need an envelope for your giving, we've talked about this, and many of you prepare for today and this weekend, which is commendable. We thank you for that. We want to send them away blessed. Amen. Make it to Harvest Church. He gets every penny. As you're doing that and... uh, if you can do two things at once, as I was sitting in the back row Monday morning, this last Monday morning, God spoke to my heart by the Spirit of God, and He said, Marshal the forces. And I don't take lightly when God speaks to me, and sometimes it's very direct. This was very direct. Marshal the forces. It means to arrange troops, things, or ideas in order. And I'll tell you what, Uh, What Apostle Mike is ministering, that's what it's all about. We're getting our lives in order, individually and corporately as a church body. Amen. Let's buy buy out all his materials so his suitcase isn't so heavy. Amen.
How many of you are part of the remnant? I am. Amen. See, that's what, turn around. That's what, army, special forces. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. Let's stand up. Father, I bless this people. They've received your living word. Now, Lord God, I pray they go forth and do that word. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and mercy today. We come expecting tonight in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, let's eat. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.